It's the Happy Families Podcast. It's the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. Hello, this is Dr. Justin Coulson with another Happy Families Podcast. Uh, once again, solo. I'm on my last day, apparently, of having to uh, what is it? Uh, self-isolate, stay away from Kylie. Mrs. Happy Families wishes that she was here in this conversation doing this podcast. But because she's not, and <clears throat> because I'm still a little bit croaky, I- I'm pretty sure I'm I'm losing and letting go of all of those symptoms of COVID. I-, I just need to get that little bit better. But once again, today, I'm doing this uh, podcast solo without Kylie, just so that we can protect her and make sure that she doesn't end up feeling lousy like I have for the last week or thereabouts. Every Tuesday on the Happy Families podcast, we answer a listener question. Our Happy Families premium members have the opportunity to send their questions through via the Happy Families premium membership. And I answer those questions as regularly as I possibly can, including Tuesdays on the pod. And today we've got one that's come through from uh, somebody who we're going to call Sue. This is not her real name. She wanted to stay anonymous. So Sue says, hey there, Justin, I'm chasing a resource that might be able to help me I need to navigate supporting a toddler to sleep at her dad's house. She doesn't want to go. She's tried, but she cries for me in the night. She's distressed for two or three days when she comes home. The three older kids are distressed. We didn't push the other kids. They all went when they were ready. This, however, is different because dad now has a girlfriend. Help, please. What do I do? So normally, if Kylie was here, we would go backwards and forwards and share a whole range of ideas. But in the interests of preserving my voice and trying to give an answer for the time poor parent who just wants answers now, if you're in a situation where separation and divorce have occurred and the kids are not that interested, in fact, they're, they're, they're reluctant, they're even pushing against spending time at the other parent's house, it puts you in a really difficult situation. And we need to be sensitive here. The first thing that I want to highlight is that From what we can tell, the very best research suggests that so long as both parents are safe, so long as both parents are kind to the kids, so long as both parents know how to do right by their children, the research seems to suggest that kids do well by having an approximately equal amount of time with each parent. Uh, 50-50 share or something close to that seems to work best. What often happens instead is that we end up with uh, Disneyland dads who have all the fun times on the weekend and then we end up with mum doing all the hard work during the week. That doesn't seem fair. Now, obviously, with this particular question from Sue, that's not exactly what's going on. We're talking about a toddler who's having uh, disrupted sleep and who doesn't seem to want to go to her dad's, uh, is really attached to mum and wants to stay with mum. And There's a difference in that now there's a girlfriend in the picture for dad, but also the three bigger kids, they didn't have to go until they felt ready. Now, I've had a little bit of a browse around some of the research and I can't find anything that's really compelling research-wise, but I have this hypothesis and that is that when our children are younger, they really need stability, they need security and they need predictability. That routine is so important for them. And what also happens with our younger children is they develop what we call an attachment hierarchy. So attachment essentially is a a way of measuring the quality of the relationship and kids tend to create an attachment hierarchy where the person at the top of the hierarchy is the one who makes them feel safest, the one who's there the most, the one who is predictable and secure for them. In the vast majority of cases, the person at the top of the attachment hierarchy is going to be mum and that hierarchy stays in place for the first few years of a child's life. 
it's so important for them to feel like the world is safe and mum being at the top of that hierarchy is is how they create that feeling of safety. So my initial response, my initial feeling here is that unless there are court orders, unless there are issues that we need to be mindful of here where there is a genuine custody agreement that can't be broken, it's generally in the children's best interests to have that stability and that security with their primary attachment figure. Having said that, they still need to spend time with other caregivers and other important adults in their lives so that they can become familiar with them and become securely attached to them. But sleepovers, especially for young children under the age of two or three, toddler age, even under the age of four or five, maybe there may be some room for some negotiation there. Maybe until the child's a little bit bigger and understands a little more, maybe there's the possibility that we can make the argument that for now sleepovers with little kids aren't the best idea. I remember having a conversation with a legal uh, scholar in Western Australia some years ago who was highlighting that in the family courts there is some, or at least back, this was a handful of years ago now, there is some recognition that we shouldn't be forcing infants and toddlers and maybe even preschoolers to be having sleepovers with the with the parent that they don't see quite so often, that we do need to let them be a certain age. And of course, once new adults start coming into other environments, that only complicates it further. So what do we do? The first thing that we might do is try to work out, can we make these transitions work better? Can we make the sleepover work in a way that doesn't cause distress to the child? Can we navigate the relationships and work with our ex in such a way that we become partners on this challenge rather than seeing them as a problem or an enemy? That would be solution number one. Solution number two would be that perhaps we make an arrangement that for the next little while until the child is a little bit bigger, a bit more mature, a bit more developmentally advanced, that we give the that child the security and stability of being allowed to stay in their own bed, in their own home, the home that they spend the most time in with that attachment person figure that they spend the most time with. Can we just make that the stable way of moving forward? Now, in the interests of fairness to both parents, I'd definitely rather see the first thing happen. But developmentally, that just might not work. And therefore, the second option might be the preferable one. That requires both adults to be good, to be kind, to be fair, and to put the needs of the children first. Otherwise, that's not going to work. After the break, I want to share some other tips and ideas about dealing with separation and divorce. We'll call them the five C's of separation and divorce on the Happy Families podcast. If you have more than one child, there's a simple truth. They're going to fight, they're going to compete, and they're going to have relationship troubles. But the real secret isn't how to stop the fighting, it's how to teach them kindness. The Teaching Kids Kindness webinar will help you to do just that, but also help them build lifelong sibling bonds that lead to lifelong friendships. Check out Teaching Kids Kindness at happyfamilies.com.au. It's the Happy Families Podcast, the podcast for the time poor parent who just wants answers now. Uh, Hello, this is Dr. Justin Coulson. Uh, Let's talk about these separation and divorce ideas, the ways that we can help things to work out a little bit better. A little while ago, I wrote this article called The Five C's of Separation and Divorce. And what the research seems to point to is that if we can get these five C's consistent, get these five C's correct, See what I did this consistent anyway. Uh, then, then we can help our children to thrive in spite of separation and divorce because there's no uh, there's no way of getting around it. Separation and divorce take an enormous toll on children, and I'm not saying that 
to induce any shame or guilt. The reality is this stuff happens, but there are things that we can do to minimize the negative impacts of this. And I also want to highlight, I know that nobody actually gets into a relationship thinking, oh, well, if it doesn't work, I can always leave. That's not what we're getting at here. But the reality is that separation and divorce are very, very challenging for our children. So the first of the C's that will help to make things better is the C of closeness. Closeness meaning research has shown that parents who remain near one another give their children the best opportunities for success. Children who have the option of visiting with mum or dad most days of the week seem to respond to the challenges of separation and divorce the best. And some of those reasons might include just the simple convenience of it. Uh, we know that kids who see their parents more have generally better relationships with them than children who rarely see their parents. They're more likely to have easier access to their friends because they live close. And schooling and sports or other extra activities can be much more easily accommodated. The second C of separation and divorce is caregiving. Essentially, children thrive when their parents are involved in their lives. And most research would suggest that when parents are both involved in the bathing and the helping and the shopping and the support of their children, the kids are going to do better. The third C is conflict. Research unequivocally shows that parents need to keep their children away from the conflict that's associated with their breakup. For a child, when they see their parents fight, it's really, really scary and there's no doubt at all that kids who feel torn between parents are usually going to be the ones who are the absolute worst off. High conflict exacerbates the emotional distress that kids feel and it leads to poor psychological adjustment. The next one is change. Kids do best when their lives are stable, so minimizing change. And the, the final one is cash. The more equal that cash distribution is between homes the easier it is for kids to feel like their standard of living doesn't change and to like being at one house just as much as the other house. So those are the things that I would add to the question that came through from Sue in answering that idea of how are we supposed to deal with this. I know that kind of gets off the topic of the sleepovers, but we sort of addressed that in the first half. Hopefully that's helpful. In the interests of health and safety, I'm going to wrap up this podcast now and go and rest my voice again. And hopefully by tomorrow, I'll be back and everything will be feeling fine. My week is up as of tomorrow morning and fingers crossed we can... Uh, uh, we can get on with our lives again. The Happy Families podcast is produced by Justin Rulon from Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. And if you'd like more info about making your family happier, just visit us at happyfamilies.com.au. Listener.